welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Tori Bono. And today, Tiny Voice Talks is talking all about taking a step step back. And I'm joined today by Kimberly Evans. So welcome, Kimberly. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, I'm over the moon you are here. And also about talking about taking a step back, because I think all too often in life, we're sort of rushing forward, rushing forward, rushing forward. But actually that pausing, taking a step back, so, so important. Yeah, it is. And we need to do more of it. We're racing through life all the time um, mm. and getting on to the next thing. So, yeah, taking a step to back to just pause, reflect, connect with ourselves a little bit more, I think can be really beneficial. Couldn't agree more. Now, I got to know you through Twitter, as I get to know many, many people. But for anyone that hasn't come across you, who is Kimberly Evans? Well, thank you very much for asking. Uh, I'm Kimberly Evans. Uh, I am a primary teacher by trade. I have done primary teaching. I've done uh, tutoring. I've gone back after, I did take a step back after my having my children and I went back as a HLTA uh, for work-life balance reasons, really. Uh, I then wasn't really particularly happy uh, doing not just that role, but just the where the where I was, and thought that I could make a difference to the profession by setting up a workplace uh, well-being program. So I could see my friends leaving the profession um, and wanted to make a difference, really. So set up Nourish the Workplace to make a difference to the well-being of educators mm. with a view to really going back to the classroom myself. I, I've gone back to supply teaching now, but I would love, my dream is to have a class of my own again in the future at a school that puts well-being at the heart of everything they do. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping to, that more schools will take that on board so that they can keep more teachers in the classroom like me. Absolutely. So why we decided to call this taking a step back and you've touched on the fact that we're always rushing forward. Where did it come from this whole idea of pausing, stopping? Uh, there's there's a race. I think we, we all feel like we're in a race. We're in a race to um, keep up with friends, um, to be as good as the internet yeah. that that we see, um, to be as Insta perfect that, you know, you, you look on Instagram and you see everyone's posts, you know, and you're rushing to keep up with everybody. Whereas mm. that might not be your life path. That might not be what you're destined to do or where your happiness is as well. And we need to just maybe take a step back and reevaluate what's going on and I think the last two years have actually been really helpful for that haven't they that that it has let people just evaluate a little bit yeah. more what they want out of life it does take sometimes a, a tragedy a big life event to to make people stop and take a take a really good hard look at where they're going and think is this what I want to do is this what I want to do for the rest of my life and also we're also now growing up in you know in in the years that we are now that life isn't the same as it was 30 years ago when we 20 years ago when we were training but yeah. actually it's okay to change your job you know I you know I'm I'm very lucky that I've got a supportive enough family that my husband was just like yes go for it but when I left with my 
left my, the profession that I was trained to do, that my mum and dad had forked out thousands of pounds for me to train and go to university, that they were really supportive of saying, you know what? No, it's fine. If you're not enjoying it, absolutely change your life path. So I changed my profession. I got a different part-time job. I now work in heritage education as well. So I work at Leeds Castle in the education department, which is just an absolute joy. Wow. And to be able to go there every day um, in the week and still teach, still using my you know, professional qualifications, still use my skills, sorry, to impart information and to teach people, but just in a completely different setting. Yeah. Is is amazing. Uh, but then to yeah, create a business uh and just you know what, just let's just try it. And if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You know, what's the big deal? I've tried. I, you know, don't race through life without stopping every so often and thinking, is this right? Yeah, and I think we often do, don't we? We're on that treadmill, which just keeps going, Mm. keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And we forget that we can get off it because that's fundamentally, you know, at the gym, if you want to get off the treadmill, you stop it, you get (laughs) off it. But actually in life, we tend to just keep going, keep going, keep going. And we don't always stop and question that path that we're on. We don't take that step back. We just keep going forward and what I find refreshing is you're saying actually what you did was you did take that step back you did look at what was going on and you thought what is it that I want what is it that I need and personally I love the idea walking into a castle every day fabulous (laughs) it is absolutely magical and it's is there's a there's a lot to be said about you know the the educational skills that we have the skills that we have as educators or just anybody that's working in the education profession actually you know whether or not that be admin site support staff we all have a certain you know set of qualifications but mm. they are serious transferable skills and there is nothing you're not failing by leaving the education profession and going and working somewhere else and if you think about, you know, if you work in retail and you work in a particular shop, for instance, and you say, do you know what? I don't want to work in Morrison's, for instance, anymore. I'm going to work in Tesco's. <laughs> no, that's not a failure. <laughs> or if you come out of working in retail and go and work in an office environment, nobody sees that as a failure. They see that as you doing a positive thing. But in education, it's it's kind of seen as a negative thing, I think, isn't it? Whereas it doesn't need to be at all. No, absolutely. Now, I don't want a mass a mass exodus of teachers here. <laughs> no. <laughs> can we? Is there a way that we can take a step back in in our schools as such and reflect without leaving education? Is is would you say that there's a benefit to that as well? Absolutely, on so many different levels. So if we start like with the pupils as well. So if you're not happy with how things are going, even if you are and you just want to take stock, how many times have you actually asked your pupils, does this work for you? Now, does this classroom environment work for you? Does having all these displays, does this work? Or actually, would you like a calmer, quieter classroom? Is is this homework beneficial for you? Does it help? Or does this style of learning help you? Or would you prefer something else? How many times have we actually stopped and asked our pupils or the people that we work around as well, you know, how how many times have you asked the people that your your colleagues and say, you know, as the way that we plan, is is this working? Should we have a bit of a conversation? Is this working the way that we do it um, as a team? Or can we think of a different way of doing it? Mm. So that was is such an easy thing to do, but you have to be you have to be brave enough to do that. And 
I'd love to empower more people to just be brave enough to ask, is this working for you? Um, and not take it as a personal insult when they say no. Because if you think if the shoe was on the other foot and somebody asked you for your opinion, is this working? It's not a when you give the reply, it's most of the time not a personal vendetta against that person when you say no. no it's right. a, I'd like to give you some feedback. You know, no, it's not working for me. Um, but when we say it, we're not saying it in a personal, negative, nasty way. So when people say it to us, don't take it that way. But it's funny, just you saying to me about the idea of saying to the children, you know, does this work for you? Do you like this, etc. There's a vulnerability, isn't there, that we suddenly put oh, yeah. ourselves in a position where we are very vulnerable, especially if you're like me teaching year fours, because they they are, you know, they just are brutal. With yes. <laughs> they don't hold back. You know, do you like this? No. Um, so... <laughs> But I think there is a vulnerability there. And, you know, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes, I, I don't know about other people, but if I've spent, you know, time planning a lesson or putting resources together, etc., I sort of just want the children to like it. So yeah. I, I, I don't ask because I don't really want to know, well, actually, no, that didn't work for us. It's easier to not ask as opposed to ask and actually then respond. But what you're saying is that, in the asking, in that responding, we're empowering others. And fundamentally, I suppose, we're empowering our own practice. Yeah. And and I, I guess some of the, the the way that I am empowered to do this is growing up with a daughter who's neurodiverse, I guess, and you saying that, you know, the year fours are brutal. Uh, there's nobody more brutal than a teenager with ADHD and who is autistic. You know, that's, <laughs> that's brutal. Yeah. And she will often say to me, you know, she's taught me so much. She will often say to me, I don't know why you're upset. I didn't mean anything by it. I just said so-and-so, you No, know? I just said that your top looks like a circus tent. I didn't mean that it wouldn't, wasn't a nice circus tent. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, you know, so there's those kind of things that it, she's, I've grown up with her over the last nearly 18 years, 17 and a half years with her mm. being brutally honest and I've learned that actually we need to we need to take a step back and stop taking it so personally um and schools need to do this as well with their staff as well with asking being bold enough to ask their staff does this work what's but also because with that as well with the work that I do I always impress on people do tell people to actually say what's working because it's not just about what's not working it's a chance to say that what they really like no, I really like when we have morning briefings at eight o'clock because we all come together. Another school might say that that's terrible and they hate an eight o'clock Monday morning briefing, but you're not going to yeah. know until you ask them. And staff will often come back with things that they really like as well as the negatives. So I really like the fact that we all sit together to have our staff meetings or um, I really like that menopause support group that you set up or I... Um, I really appreciate the fact that the staff room has been up, done up recently and that, that really helps. So there's, there's, it swings both ways. You, you, yes, you have to be brave enough to, to ask the question, but you're not going to know what's working unless you ask. And often a lot of things are working. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I'm just listening to you saying that and I'm thinking, yeah, it, it, having those conversations are absolutely vital, finding out what's working, but also finding out what's not working in order to for everyone to feel empowered in that workplace. Yes. And it is really important to empower our, our everybody in our workplace. Really important to 
to, to make everybody feel like they're being heard because that's when we come together as a collective to make a difference. And that can be everybody. You think about the, you know, the really minor little things that we do in, in schools, like having a school council. That was mm. all about making everybody heard, isn't it? And it's just about using that kind of an analogy and just making it bigger. So a school council, the idea of that is that you ask for your class to nominate a person don't they and they nominate somebody to go on the school council whether or not this is in primary or secondary and then that person gets to go and be on a committee with a member of staff and then that member of staff takes their views back to the leadership team don't they and it all works as a process so it's just about making that kind of thing more holistic and we do that about school council with Sometimes that that is about what happens during the school day, but quite often more than that is about being, you know, eco-friendly and about making an, uh, our impact on the planet or the community. Whereas actually we need to do that with our school community. What's working in our school community? What's not working? Where can we make improvements? Who would we like to see more of? Who would we like, what would we like to see less of? And asking everybody, not just education staff, but support staff as well admin staff have we talked to your site team recently and said what can I do to help you you know what can I do to make Mm. your life easier and it could be that they're desperately in need of I don't know more high-vis jackets or a new shovel for the snow you know those kind of things that unless you ask you're not going to know yeah it is that taking a step back pausing and actually looking at our surroundings yeah as opposed to just ploughing ahead because that's what we've always done. This is how we do it. Let's just carry on because this is what we do. Because actually the landscape in teaching, the landscape in schools has changed so much in the Mm. last two years. I wonder how many schools have actually taken a step back and looked at it and and recognised, you know, I know that we felt the impact of the last two years. I know that we know that things have shifted, but I wonder how many schools and educators have actually taken that step back and, and reflected as such yeah. and gone, oh, what does that mean now? Yes, absolutely. and there was so much talk about that. You know, when we were um, talking about, when we were having our Ed Wellcom meetings, mm. um, the Education Wellbeing Collective, with the, who was the authors of the Big Book of Whole School Wellbeing, I remember in the early days of those meetings, which we set up, so we're talking like May, June 2020, we were talking about this is the time to make a difference. And there was lots of talk on Twitter, wasn't there? This is the time to make a difference. This is the time to say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to fall victim to offset. We're not going to let them have all the power anymore. We're not going to do all this planning or this marking because look, look what works. Look, we've completely changed our working model and our working day. And now is the time that when we do go back, we don't go back as we were. But unfortunately, because COVID lasted so long and is still rumbling on in even, you know, in the early 2022, like we are now, we've mm. lost that. Everyone's so apathetic because they're worn out because of the, the pandemic. We've lost that fighting spirit of we need to stop. We need to stop this. We need to stop the constant treadmill of assessments and testing and SATs, you know, that conversation in those early months of the pandemic where we were like, look, we don't need SATs because look, we've not done it this year and nobody's <laughs> nobody's 
I was going to say nobody's died, but that's an awful thing to say in the pandemic. But nothing awful happened in schools because those stats didn't happen, did they? You know, it was it wasn't a great thing that some of the, like the GCSEs and A levels were cancelled. You know, personally, on a personal note for our family, that wasn't great. But it was time to stop and say what yeah. is working and what do we need to change. But unfortunately, that's kind of died down a bit, hasn't it? Which is such a pity because actually, you know, if I take a step back and reflect on, you know, the pandemic and the impact that has had in education. Actually, the children that I have in front of me nowadays have been severely impacted by two years of very, very different schooling. They're, you know, that they haven't had as much socialization with their peers. Their oral skills are of, well, basically, oracy is completely different to how it used to be. You know, they're they're not used to communicating with one another in the way that they were. Yes. Um, And the focus that, I'm having to place in the classroom is very different from where it was placed in order to actually meet the needs of the children I have before me now. Yes. And I think different people as well, aren't we? Completely. I think that's it. You know, we have gone through, I don't think there is anyone that can say that the pandemic did not in some way impact upon them, whether they had COVID uh, you know, someone close to them had COVID, whether they lost someone, you know, we have all been impacted in some one way, shape or form by COVID. Yeah. And actually, so have the young people in front of us. So our schools have naturally changed. And to just, as you say, plow on with, you know, the, the government's agenda, because that's what they're doing, or, in, you know, it, it, it is tricky. But I think school leaders and teachers and everyone within a school does have their ability to actually look at what's right for their school and what's right for their school might not be right for the school down the road. Absolutely. And uh, and a good analogy about that is I, I bang on about having a staff room and how important a staff room is a lot, you know, and people get sick to (laughs) to their back teeth about me saying how important a staff room is for community Mm. of the staff and for people to take a break. But I'm working with a school at the moment that because of the pandemic, their, their staff room, like many, the staff rooms were closed. So the school closed the staff room yeah. very sensibly because I put out a lot of advice about this as well. I've then created smaller staff rooms around the school. And I was really pushing for that in, in lockdown for mm. people to do that. Not take it away completely. You just need to change where you're doing it. Anyway, these, it was a secondary school. And this school created de- departmental staff rooms. Mm-hmm. And... Now they've they've taken those away because they thought that was the right thing to do because they've gone back to being able to have their normal staff room again. Yeah. But people have said in the staff survey that we did that they actually prefer the departmental's little staff rooms because they've got time to use those more often because the big staff room's too far away. So they weren't, if they were only allowed to use a big staff room, they didn't use it. It was too far Mm. away. There wasn't enough time. And there's there's questions about that that you can delve into and do a whole podcast entirely on that but that was one school showing that if they asked their staff you know really what's working they preferred the departmental staff rooms another school have done it the opposite way around and they're like we hate departmental staff rooms we really want to all be together (laughs) We we don't want those little tiny rooms they're too squashed we want to all be together and we want the facilities of a big staff room 
But until you take stock and realise what's going right and what's going wrong and also stop and ask your staff, you're never going to (laughs) know. You can't make these stab in the dark decisions and just say, this is what I'm doing for my staff's well-being or my school's well-being without asking your staff first. Because how do you know? Absolutely. And it's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, I've worked in a number of schools now and you mentioned morning meetings earlier Mm. and I've worked, I worked in one school that loved morning meetings and I've worked in another school that hated morning meetings. (laughs) And it's really interesting because, you know, and it is every single school is very, very distinct. So you can't do a one size fits all. And I think, you know, um, it, it must be tricky for new heads going into a school because in a sense, you just want to plough on. But actually, I yeah. suppose what you really need to do is take that step back. Yeah, Look absolutely. at what you've got. Yeah. Consider and, what's working before you're uh, going, yeah. and now let's, off we go, everyone, we're doing this. <laughs> yes. And communicate with your staff. Listen and communicate. Mm. And um, my friend Chris Reddy has a, has a brilliant analogy. He says, you need to listen with our eyes. So you need to stop and yeah. listen but look as well and listen to what's going on. And if you're not sure, you know, if you're in the position, you're listening to this now and you're thinking, okay, so I'd like to, I'd like to do more, but I just don't know how, <laughs> you know, I'm so frustrated because I've tried things and they haven't worked and everyone's still, people are still leaving or people are still unhappy. I, I just don't know what to do. Ask, but look. So go into your staff room at lunchtime. Just um, who's there? Is anyone there? Is, are people using it? Are people not using it? Why are they not yes. using it? No, are people running out the door at, at four o'clock? Ask them why. Um, are people are people stressed? At genuinely ask them, why are you so stressed? Not in a condescending way, but tell me, tell me what is piling up to make you so stressed and have those genuine conversations. And and making the connections as well, make really making the connections with your staff to understand what makes them tick as well. Um, so I really, really love the teacher five a day and um, movement, really, because that connect and notice hashtag is so important. Not yes. just for connecting for yourself and noticing for yourself. You know, on our run today, my husband said, oh, look at those cute birds um, as we ran past some really fluffy sparrows. Um, Mm -hmm. Not just about that kind of notice. It's about noticing in your environment, not why things aren't working. For a a, a member of staff who's who's classroom-based, noticing the quiet child, why are they quiet? You know, do they need a little bit more support? Really noticing everybody. But also that as a staff as well, staff holistically. And you can do that. You don't have to be a leader to do that. You can do that no matter where you sit in the hierarchy of school. You can make a difference by just stopping, looking, really listening and noticing and thinking, "Mm, that person, I haven't seen that person smile. (laughs) Or I haven't seen that person come in the staff room for weeks. I wonder what's going on with them. I think we might just need to have a, you know, I'm going to go and have a chat with them. Just going to go and take them a cup of tea and have a chat, that kind of thing. Or even from from kind of like without being crude about it, from bottom up. So, you know, if you're noticing that your leaders are suddenly really stressed, going to them and saying, anything I can do, um, do you want to just talk about it? 
I can't necessarily take on your workload and I wouldn't want to, but do you want to talk about it? Do you want to have a cup of tea after school tomorrow and, and just chat? Everybody working together and not taking things personally, I think, is 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 a really powerful thing. It really is. And I love that idea of listening with your eyes. The fact that actually we just need to, you know, in a sense, move out of ourselves and look outwards at what's going on with everyone Mm. else. And I think you're right again, you know, that, that looking at our leaders as well and, and, and them being people who feel stressed or whatever and, and, and being able to have that conversation with them, Mm. but also leaders saying, not being afraid to ask, what is it that's making you feel stressed? Because often those things can be, maybe often is the wrong word, a number of times those things be quite easily fixed because it yeah. might be something that's very bizarre that's just been, you know, something that they've done for years and actually just removing that removes a great deal of stress from the whole staffing body. Yes, and that they might be they might be doing a job that no one had realised that they were doing. Some, and yes. someone's saying, oh my goodness, why are you doing that? Well, yeah. I thought I had to. No, no one's told you to do that. Or misunderstanding a... Uh, a, a new system that they've put in place or something yeah. like oh my goodness I didn't realize that was causing that much stress you shouldn't be doing it if it's causing you know if it's taking you three hours oh my goodness we need to stop this because this should not be taking you three hours to do um, but if the communication's not there and you're not willing to take on some construct not even constructive criticism but just some some ideas that aren't always positive that you're never going to know, are you? And it's and and not to take it so personally. And I think that's that's a big thing in education. We take uh, we take the criticism too personally. Of it's oh, you're criticizing my school. You know, if you, if you open it up to, if you're brave enough to do one of these staff surveys, you you think I, I don't want to do it because I don't want people to tell me that things aren't right. Yeah. But if you don't if you don't take that on board, then how are you ever going to get better? Um, just like if you ask you know, for feedback from your class or even if you get lesson, yeah. you know, if you get a piece of work back and no one's got it, you sit there going, oh, clearly nobody, <laughs> clearly nobody understood that mess lesson because <laughs> all the answers are wrong. Um, you just don't take it so personally. Just move on, move on and understand that it's a positive thing. Even if somebody gives you something negative, there's always a positive in it because you're going to then go and do something positive with that negative feedback that you got. Yeah. And I think that, again, when you receive that feedback, taking a step back from that is yes. so vital. Taking yeah. a step back and seeing it as as it's just that, it's feedback. It's not yeah. a personal slight. It's not an attack. Yeah. It's nothing else. It is feedback. Mm. Um, sometimes, you know, and I don't know what the listeners are like with this, but sometimes what I've found is that I've needed to actually write about something in order to actually get my brain active working in order to take that proper step back and you know go okay why is that bugging me so much I don't know if you do any journal writing at all but I've found that sometimes that's what I've needed to do in order to fully understand why something's annoying me yeah and to not act on it straight away is it you know, there was a time this yeah. week that I was really cross with something that was happening and I, I could have gone in all guns blazing and gone and had a conversation we're talking about communication aren't we and I could have had a conversation with somebody about that there and then on that day when I was cross yes. and I didn't I, I purposefully made myself say no I'm not going to have that conversation today because I'm not sure about it in my head yet um and also I'm not in the right place 
to be having mm. that kind of conversation, took a couple of days and then thought and reflected on it and thought, you know what, it's not yeah. that big a deal. You don't need to have that conversation. And if you have that conversation, you're going to make it worse. So sometimes there is the need to stop, take stock, think about, is it worth it? Sometimes it's massively worth it. And these conversations we've already had today with this is it is you do have to communicate. It's not working. I'm not happy with it or I'm really happy with it. Please, can we do it again? But sometimes when you notice and you stop and you reflect that actually it's not as bad as you think. Yes. My grandmother, God bless her soul, she told, whenever I was very young, she said to me, Victoria, what I want you to do is I want you to bite your tongue and, and count to 10 whenever you want to say something back to your mum. Clearly, I was back chatting my mum a lot. And I, she always called me Victoria when she wasn't impressed with me. Um, so and I, it was really funny because that's what I used to do as a little girl. I would bite my tongue and count to 10. By the time I got to 10, I usually reflected it wouldn't be a good idea to say what I was instantly going to say at the count of one. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because... I do that less as an adult or I did, I did that less. I think I do it a lot more now. I, I, I don't necessarily bite my tongue, but I think I'm better at pausing and reflecting before jumping in. But there was a period as an adult where I definitely would jump in and say something and the communication then was poor and it yeah. didn't work because I would jump in, the other person would you know, become defensive and then you'd have that awful jangled exchange. Yeah, one to. big thing that we do need to take on board from the pandemic is we need to stop using email so much. Oh, yes. And yes. Email is brilliant for well-being, isn't it, in the fact of workload, as in you don't need to walk to the other side of the school to have some a conversation with somebody. But we've become so used to just firing off emails left, right and centre yeah. about silly little things. And in the moment as well, I'm just going to reply to that email. I've got an email in. I'm going to reply to it straight away because I need to. But then what you're saying in the email, A, is not great anyway, is it because you can't hear the nuance in someone's voice, all of that kind of stuff. But also because you're just, you're doing it too quickly. It's too instant. As you're having a conversation with somebody, if you had to then go and stop and actually go and have a conversation with someone or wait three days to have a meeting with someone as well in person because we're doing all these wonderful things with zoom but also it's like oh should we jump on a call and it's instant and it's there if you had to wait to book time into a diary where you could physically go and see somebody you may have calmed down a little bit you'd have or not just calmed down you might have thought actually no this is really important I do need to have this conversation with someone and, and and really thought about it properly so we need to maybe one of one of the things we need to lose from all these new well-being techniques that we've learned um is are, are we using technology in an effective way for our well-being yes absolutely and something you've just triggered in my brain actually is that making time for a meeting because sometimes you know I know people say oh I'll just I'll, I'll say something to someone in passing when actually what they want is a decent conversation yeah and I was saying to someone this week, actually, is it worth making time for? Is it worth making time for that communication so you can actually have a decent conversation as opposed to catching them in the corridor for two minutes? Yeah. And again, that's something that I think we've lost with some of the boundaries that we've put in place because of COVID. You know, we've, yes. we've, we've got, we've got, we're, no, well, our, our boundaries have got really good in the fact that you now because we were all being chucked out of schools at four o'clock because people didn't want people socialising in school afterwards. I think some people have got some really good boundaries in place of I'm going to leave by four o'clock, half past four, that kind of thing. But then you're missing out on 
the general just catching somebody after school and having a conversation, going and sitting yeah. with somebody in their classroom and having having a nice chat about their day, catching somebody and going, do you know what? Are you okay? Because you didn't look all right yeah. today. Yeah. You know, I noticed in assembly you weren't looking very happy. You're okay. Should we have a chat now? We've got time for a chat. You know, we're missing all of that because because we are sometimes rushing out the door uh, and we're missing those connections, physical connections that we're meeting people around the photocopier, you know, making a cup of tea in the staff room, those kind of things. We're missing a lot of that. And then problems are escalating, aren't they? Because they're not being dealt with. Yeah. And connection is so important because it helps us to really know who we are and where we are, and you know, and, and connect with our surroundings. It's mm. absolutely vital. It really is. Oh, you've given me so much to think about, Kim. <laughs> wow, yeah. No, communication is so important. That taking a step back, pausing, thinking. What yep. are your final thoughts on this, Kimberly? Being open to having more conversations, asking, mm. giving everybody a voice. You know, that's a, a thing I really do feel strongly about, giving all staff a voice. Yes. Um, I would then extend that to everybody you work with a voice. So being able to, you don't have to be a leader to do that, to give all your, everybody who's around you a voice. So if you're a leader, that is giving all your staff a voice, everybody who works in your school a voice. If it's um, coming down from that, if you are somewhere else in the profession, the people that you work around, your team, your TAs, if you are a TA, your pupils, giving everybody your voice, a voice for you to just say, you know, hello, <laughs> hello, how are you today? But also, what's working? What? How can I help you? What can we do better? really giving everybody a voice and listening and taking that on board and then doing something with that is a positive thing rather than a negative thing. Yeah. And I'm so pleased that you said it's not just about giving a voice. It's about listening to that yeah. voice as well. But yeah. And, I, and as you know, giving people a voice is what I'm all about because I think that's so, it's so important. You know, if we give everyone a voice, we begin to understand so much more and empowering people is absolutely vital. If everyone in school felt, felt heard. Mm. Wow. Yes. Just that would wow. be, it would make so much difference to everybody's life, wouldn't it? Mm. Now, I know, Kimberly, that on another podcast we did about the big book of school, um, the big book of whole school well-being, I asked you this question before, but I'm just going to throw it out there again and see if you add someone else. If you could have been taught by anyone, living or dead, who would have been your perfect teacher? So you need to go for an additional person now. Yes. Okay. I have thought of, luckily, I have, have thought you? of somebody oh, else. Good. Yes. I have. So I, um, I'm going to choose somebody that did teach me in already, but I would say that I would like to be taught by them all the time. <laughs> so they were my GCSE and A-level history teachers. Mm -hmm. So they were um, Mr. Southgate and Mr. Walker yeah. uh, from St. George's School in Gravesend. And they, I chose those because they made such a massive difference to what I then wanted to go on and do. They were the people that inspired me to be teachers. Mm. And if I'd have got that earlier and also made inspired me to love history. And if I'd have had them earlier on when I was in primary school and earlier on in my time at secondary school for other subjects, who knows what I would have found a love of. 
for instance, because they really, really enjoyed their job. Clearly, yeah. they had fun in their job. Now, and I'm talking, this is a long time ago. I'm 45 this year, Toria. So this is <laughs> a long time ago. But I distinctly remember their lessons from when I was 14, 15, 16, wow. 17 years old. And remember what they did to make my our lessons fun. So mm. they loved their jobs, which made me love learning. And they really connected with the students, which is why I chose them, because it really tied with what we've just been talking about. They really connected with their students to think about what made them tick. What what can I do to bring these lessons alive? You know, we were talking, learning about medieval medicine. What can I do to make these lessons come alive for these students? Because it's so abstract. And it really stuck with me how amazing they were as teachers. And if I could have had them as teachers for other subjects who knows what else I could have developed a love of I love that and actually that really explains why you're spending so much of your time at Leeds Castle yes absolutely yes it really does yeah it's 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 fascinating and I love getting people excited about history I'm it's it's lovely and there's so much depth to be learned from it and it, and we do it in such a fun way as well and that's come from those two teachers because they made it fun in a quirky and different way um you know yeah we watched blackadder for gcse history because love that but, but it, there was so much to be learned from that yeah. and it stuck with me and i've remembered that all these years later i can't remember yeah. what i did in my in maths when i was 14 years old I can't remember what I did in really about English when I was 14 Mm. years old, but I remember what I did in history. I remember specific lessons. And I think if you're having that such an impact on people, um, then you've got a special gift there, haven't you? And if I could have had those teachers for my other subjects, then, then I could have gone on and had even more wonderful things in my knowledge bank. Wow. Well, they can definitely, definitely join the, the imagination, the imaginative tiny voice talk school. Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me on the podcast all about taking a step back and effective communication. And for anyone that wants to get in touch with Kimberly, all of her details are on the blurby bit that is attached to the podcast and just connect with her. I'm sure she would love to hear from you. Thank you. Yes, as we and the theme of the podcast, I would love to connect with more people. (laughs) 